Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 4th, 2019, and today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we're on page 30, the third paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Alice G., for the 12 Traditions, Esther F., and reading the text are Lisa H., Becca R., and Allison L. The reference numbers for Monday, June 3rd, 2019 are, for the 7 a.m., 12,984, that's 12984, and for the 10 a.m. is 12,986, that's 12,986. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alice G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, all. This is Alice G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Wisconsin, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Alice. Okay, I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Traditions. Number one, 
are common, welfare comes first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we resume our study of the big book on page 30, the third paragraph. We alcohol, alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. And we will just be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. Um, and I will ask Lisa H. to begin reading. Good morning, uh, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever really ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grips of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. 
And I'll say as a real compulsive overeater, I completely identify in with this idea of control. Um, the word control is used four times in this paragraph. Um, and so I had, of course, had to look up the definition and it says the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. And um, trying to control my eating. I mean, again, I had periods where I could control it, you know, and I don't know how many dozens of times I could control it to a certain place. And then wherever, whatever diet I was on, they would say, okay, now you can have. And that was like a death sentence to me because I was, I was off to the races again. Um, And this, this, pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization because my family um, watched me go up and down and up and down and up and down. Um, And, and again, the great, this, the great illusion of this whole thing is that, that the thought that I can control. Um, And when I think I'm in control, then, then I'm trying to be, then I'm trying to play God. Um, And when I let go of control um, and take action. So, to me, that's part of, you know, abstinence, getting abstinent, and then working these steps, you know, just like we say on the line, working these steps, like our hair's on fire, um, because then I can take the action, and I can do this on a daily basis, and let God take care of the outcome, um, and I, that was just so foreign to me, um, because I grew up thinking that I should be able to control it. I could control it. I can, you know, um, dig my heels in and use my willpower and come into recovery and learning that I didn't have to control it anymore. You know, I could just let go of that control. Um, God's going to give me what I need on a daily basis and I'm going to do the action. Um, And if I continue to stay in the steps and do these actions, um, God's going to take care of the outcome, um, and it and it's and it's a relief. I mean, it is a mighty relief um, because I know that if I start taking back that control, which I can, my ego wants to get in there and take back that control and tell you what to do and tell everybody else what to do and think I can um, do this myself, but I cannot do this myself. I have to have my higher power every day, and I have to have my community of fellows every day. Um, for that support and, um, and in, in that I can, I can let go on a daily basis. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you so much, um, Lisa. And so if you, um, oops, sorry. Okay. So we are on page 30, the third paragraph. And if you haven't shared recently, um, we really encourage, um, you to share. Um, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, please um, go ahead. So, who would like to share? CP, Melissa C, G. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, thank you, Barbara. Katie G, Barbara E, Nancy. I'm not sure which Nancy it was. Nancy P. Nancy P. Okay, and um, Raquel, and I, Chris G. Did you get Melissa C? Melissa C, thank you. I thought I heard you, and then, okay. I Mm -hmm. think that will be a good start. 
So I have Katie G, Barbara E, Nancy P, Raquel, Chris G, and Melissa C. Is it Chrissy G or Chris G? I think it's Chrissy. Okay. Go ahead, please, Katie G, and everyone else, please press star one to mute yourself. Good morning. Good morning, Katie G, Recovered in Boston. Thank you for your service. Yeah, I mean, the delusion, the illusion, the false psychotic belief of my whole life is that if I could just have control over the food, have power over the food, have power over my life, have power over everything, then I would be okay. And I think it's important to note that it says this is a progressive disease and that over any period of time, I get worse, never better. And for a long time, I thought it said over any period of being in the food, it got worse, never better. But what this is telling me is that the disease is inside of me. It's not in the parking lot doing push-ups. It's inside of me. And over any period of time, it's going to get worse never better. So if I pick up the food today, it's not where it was when I left it in relapse. It's a couple years out, right? And that's really important. And I thought when I was in the food, when I would regain control, it was because of external things. Like I have power now. I have choice now. Look at me. I'm thin. I, the, the solution, I, it's, um, the problem has been solved. But the problem for me is I have no power, no choice, and no control around my internal life. So that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization is pitiful and incomprehensible because I'm 228 pounds, I'm 110 pounds, and I can't understand why I've gone back to the food again. But the main problem is in my mind, right? The greater aspect of my malady is in my mind. And I can continue to try and control. And I, I love that this paragraph says control four times. This isn't my binge foods. This isn't a list of yellow light foods. This is a list of foods, ingredients, and behaviors that my sponsor and I look at that I have tried to control. And when I try and control them, I get in the boxing ring and I go down each and every time. But the problem is my thinking brings me down each and every time. You know, and today as a recovered woman, am I trying to control? Like, can I align my experience up with my thinking? Can I control my thinking? No, I can't control my thinking. I have, I have tried. I'm going to be a better girl now. I am going to be a moral and wonderful person, and I'm not going to think about this, and I'm not going to do it. You know, I have no power. Today, what has happened to me as the result of entire abstinence, working the 12 steps, is I align my will with the will of God, and then the power comes from God. I have no power, no choice, and no control around anything. Um, and that is the good news today. So if you are suffering, if you are trying to control everything, my advice to you, my suggestion, this book is telling me, give up. The biggest power I can do every day is admit I have no power, no choice, and no control. And I'm going to follow through, God willing, with these steps to live a contented life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Okay, now Barbara E., followed by Nancy P. Thank you. Well, when I came into OA in 1996, I wasn't sure I was even in the right place. I certainly didn't come to be psychically rearranged. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't truly helpless. I just couldn't keep weight off for more than a few months. Yes, I lost 100 plus pounds countless times, but I knew I wasn't as bad as you all. 
I was suffering under the illusion I could take control again, that I could stop when I wanted to, and one day I'd be able to eat like a normal person. Of course, I was not normal when it came to food. Continuing to believe the lies my disease told me despite all previous disastrous consequences. My disease whispered mendacious words that I could binge tonight and stop tomorrow, that I could lose 10 pounds in 10 weeks as the supermarket um, magazines promised, that I should take pills and shots which made me jittery and unable to sleep. I could eat whatever I wanted on the weekends and then have the strength to go back to a rigid, restrictive program during the week. I'm an addict, so nothing worked for long. Now, God gives us many opportunities to take his hand, but it is up to us to seize the moment. But first, I had to finally admit I was down for the count, beaten and bloody, conceding to myself that I was well and truly out of ideas. I'd get sober for a period of time and then make the insane decision to pick up again. And that always led to complete demoralization. Worse, never better. Oh my goodness. I needed an outside intervention if I was ever going to recover. I may have come back in 1996 for a new diet, but I got much more. The three A's say it all for me, and they saved my life. First, I had to become aware of the fact that I'm truly and forever an addict when it comes to certain foods and food behaviors. And second, I had to accept that there is indeed a power outside of me that is always with me, guiding me, if I'm willing to listen. And third, and finally, take action and be accountable for my own recovery and reach out to others to, to give them what's been given to me. I am personally convinced that if I ever stop doing 10, 11, and 12, I will go back to the food and the negative behaviors. So now I go to sleep every night a recovered compulsive overeater saying, thank you, God, and wake up every morning an addict. Time, please. Thank you. An addict, but with the knowledge that with higher powers help, I can be recovered one day at a time. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, followed by Raquel. Hi, thanks for letting me share, Nancy P. from Boston. Let me just start my timer. So the three words that I that jumped out at me were ever, inevitable, and never. And I, over the course of my tenure in OA, I often thought that I would have control. If I felt good, when white knuckling worked, you know, the new sponsor, the new food plan, the different meeting, the, you know, the just the you know, some success with losing a little bit of weight, I felt great. And, um, but, it, but the reality was that the, the non-delusional thinking was never ever was I going to regain control. And, and, and um, the pitiful demoralization was like a constant state of mind. And 
I had ample opportunity to get this message over the decades that I had been in, in OA. And I said, no, thank you. I've got this. And when I finally surrendered, then it became the, you know, the idea of complete entire abstinence and nothing works so much as, you know, to ensure immunity as work, intensive work with other compulsive overeaters. Those things became my watchwords. Those words, you know, complete, entire, and nothing became my watchwords because th those are also, you know, just as definite. You know, no, it doesn't say no alcoholic ever regains control except for, you know, on Mondays or that they never, they don't ever gain control except in certain circumstances. It just means ever, never, ever. And, um, you know, once I surrendered, then the, then the superlatives, you know, complete, entire, and nothing became positive forces in my life when, you know, complete absence means complete absence, not, you know, fifth or below, <laughs> excuse me. And, um, you know, nothing works to ensure immunity from a compulsive overeating than intensive work with other alcoholics and other compulsive overeaters. That means nothing. That doesn't mean almost everything or almost nothing. It means nothing. And so those words became my watchwords. And now that I'm on the other side of, you know, now that I'm recovered, I embrace those words. I, I look for those words. I, you know, and, and frankly, sometimes, you know, like when they crop up, you know, sometimes I have trouble with what nothing complete and entire mean. But luckily, I have a good infrastructure of fellowship that um, people that call me and that I call, and then I'm not alone again. I mean, other than like being thin and not hurting myself with food, the most precious thing that I have is fellowship with other people. Because I live, talk about shivering in the cold shadow of the mountain of, you know, whatever. I, I was like frozen solid in a block of ice. And I didn't feel like I needed or wanted other people in my life in, in program. And now, you know, I call people and I talk to them and they call, whoops, I'll wrap up here. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I call people and they call me and I, and we always end and I say, call me anytime. And they do. And I'm not alone anymore. And um, that's really the gift. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Raquel, you're up, followed by Christy G. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for this wonderful meeting and for your leadership. Wow, it's such a masterpiece. This page by itself, I, I have a hard time deciding, you know, what to speak about because it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible the way that it's described. How hard and how long, how does it say there in the first paragraph that that people can go to the to the gates of insanity or death. So it took me about 30 years to concede to my innermost self and to let God come in and, and do the work because control is the name of the game. Frightened people as all the base for all addictions is the fear and and the antidote to fear is the control and the ego reestablishes itself all the time. Dr. Tibbet uh, said in, in his paper, The Act of Surrender in the Therapeutic Process, the ego has a way of, of um, he said he used a special word, like to reestablish itself again and again. So how, and, and it's progressive. And so I, I, I think I'll, I'll talk about my first sponsor in Medford, 
um, Massachusetts in 1979-78 uh, and I called her from a shopping center and she was wonderful and she said you know Raquel are you calling me before you ate or after because if you didn't eat yet I'll talk to you until I'm blue in the face and the cows come home if you ate already then honey why don't you just go out and do a little more suffering and come back when you're ready I'll be waiting for you I talked to her last year Oh, she said, I would never say a thing like this today, but it helped me, you know, and I had to go out and do that, that convincing. So I, I have to say this, oh, I didn't set my timer. Would you please time me? Yes, Hello? I am. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, you so have 45 this, seconds. This man went into the bank and he wanted to, to, to cash a check, but he didn't want to sign in the bank. He just didn't want to sign. He said, my dad taught me that you don't sign your name and papers. No, none of the clerks could convince him. So they took him to the manager. And the manager said to him, well, nice check. We have bigger checkers than that. People sign them. Sign right here. He said, no. So the man bent down and took out a baseball bat from under the, under the table. And he, he waved it over his head and he said, are you going to sign or not? And the man signed. He said, okay, okay. When he went out, the clerks asked him, what did he say that we didn't, that convinced you? So he said, you guys said the same thing, but he explained it to me. So the disease finally explained it to me, that I have nowhere, Hi, to, nowhere to hide. And thank you very much for being there. I pass. Thank you so much, Raquel. Okay, Chrissy G., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Chris or Chrissy G, star one to unmute, please. Sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted. This is Chris G, okay. <laughs> recovered okay, compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Thank you for letting me share and thanks for your service. Um, so I, this idea of control, um, which everybody saw my, my need for control, my need to control people, places, and things. And it's, you know, this meta, this idea of control implies that, you know, I have some power <laughs> and what this program has taught me is that I am powerless and not only am I powerless over the food, I'm powerless over people, places, and things. The only thing I have control over is my surrender and really letting go of the rope of trying to control everything. The food I found was like a, a, an acting out of my, my, you know, the great acting out of my need and desire for control over everything. And it was my constant obsession. How am I going to control this? How, what can I do now? And not only was that the obsession, the, the obsession of controlling my food, but the obsession of controlling my weight, the obsession of controlling how people thought about me, the obsession over controlling my children, my boyfriend, my family. I wanted to control the world. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't understand. I couldn't see it. I was so blind because of this disease that that's what I was doing. I was trying to control. I was secretly trying to manipulate things as well as the food when I was trying to recover. I was trying to, 
you know, uh, exert my power and come to find out the most, the most freeing gift of all is my powerlessness that I can relinquish and turn over all of that, that compulsive behavior and, and delusional idea that I should be controlling and that people should be listening to me and that I should be able to have my way with my food and my body. Um, it, it, was, it was all lies and to let go of that rope and to say, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And to lift, raise my hands and say, just tell me what to do and to listen to my fellows and do what they did so that I can be free. And it works. It really does. It really works. And I don't have to feel that demoralization. And not only do I surrender my food and give that control up, not that I ever had it, but I also, that also spreads into the rest of my life with my step work. I don't have to control people, places, and things. I, get, I have so much more energy now that I've given up control. And I have such a, a, a stable mood and, and humble opinions that bring freedom and joy into my life. And so I am just so grateful for this recovery and for all of you for showing me the way. And um, I just thank God for God's grace and mercy to give me this gift and for my willingness to surrender control. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Chris. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, and then we'll open it up again. Hi, Katie. It's Melissa C. Thank you so much for your service. Um, going to shut the speaker off and get my timer. Um, yeah, so um, I lost the ability, right, and no real, um, and I like, had to underline that, no real alcoholics ever recovers control. And yet, um, you know, I'm told that I do recover. So then, like, what exactly do I recover from if it's not the control, you know? And um uh, I think it's the mental twist, the insane thinking, that automatic return to the foods and the behaviors that I can't control. You know, that's um, what we recover from. That's what I've recovered from. I, I've, I've recovered from um, crazy thinking, you know, um, and sometimes I hear people, you know, occasionally say that, that now that they've gone through the steps, they can eat anything, and um, and that you know, I'm like, oh, God. Um, you know, and years ago, I stumbled upon, um, there was another phone meeting where that was the message. And, and it really, it interested me. Of course, it interested me because that was my great obsession that someday I was going to recover this control. And But I had enough painful experience to know um, that this was not my truth. And, you know, any time in my life that I've been able to control my eating. It was, you know, always through diets. Um, and, and it was a period of abstinence. I had learned something about an allergy to the sugar. And so I put that down and did nothing else. And, you know, what happened was um, I always, it always got worse after I blew the diet, you know, after I picked up. Um, and it was demoralizing. You know, I that word demoralizing to lose all hope to feel beaten down you know for me humiliated um because 
you know, I always regained every pound I lost plus more. And it was it was embarrassing to show up places fat again, you know, especially because I could put all my weight back on like crazy fast. And, um, you know, and I have like really clear memories of crying my eyes out, you know, not being able to fit into the very outfit I knew that I was going to have to wear, and now I couldn't. And, you know, and so, like, even now, um, I know my disease is progressing. Like, I'm told my disease is progressing. It's worse today than it was five years ago, and I've been recovered for, you know, over five years. So my recovered state depends on me knowing this and living accordingly. And I'll just quickly wrap up that, it means that if my disease pro- continues to progress, then so must my relationship with God, because that is the only thing that helps me live recovered. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, so if you've just joined us in the last few minutes, um, we're on page 30. We're in chapter three, and we're reading the third paragraph. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. And we are commenting on that one paragraph. And if you haven't shared in the last few days or never shared, please give me your name. Donna Donna W. Ooh, I didn't hear any of that. Donna W. Kelly. Laura W. Kelly. Donna W. Deborah. Deborah. Donna W. Darian K. Donna. Lori A, Darian K, Robin P, Robin P, and there was someone, um, someone I missed in there. So let me tell you who I, um, I have. I have Kelly S, Laura W, Donna W, Lori A, Darian K, Robin P. Was there someone else I missed? Deborah V. It was not Laura W. Deborah v. It wasn't Laura W. I said, oh, I'm. Oh, it wasn't Laura W. Okay. Okay. Um, now I forgot that last one. What did you just say? Debbie, Deborah? De- Deborah V is in Victor. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. So let's go with that. Kelly S. Followed by Donna W. Go ahead, please, Kelly. Good morning, Katie. Good job, man. That was, that was crazy. Uh, Kelly S. Recovered compulsive eater and bulimic from Oklahoma. Glad to be on the line this morning. Um, oh my gosh! So what can I add to this? Probably nothing. But um, lost, uh, we have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. And I know this is going back to the paragraph yesterday, but you know my problem was I took years in this program, decades, as a matter of fact, to accept that I was the real compulsive overeater. The big book describes. You know, I would say, I admit I'm powerless, you know, but what I realized is I never truly accepted that powerlessness, you know, never really accepted the conceited. I never conceded to my innermost self. I still had those lurking reservations, right? And so I would think I was getting this control. I've been abstinent, so to speak, in these rooms. I've lost 125 pounds two or three times, and, you know, I thought I had arrived. However, I never even made a year of abstinence in my 32 years. In, this, in these rooms, because why? Because I didn't understand the mental obsession. I didn't understand this dis-ease 
that's within me that always drove me back, you know, since I thought I was abstinent and, you know, I was thin and I was Miss OA, I had regained control. And what I really didn't understand and didn't want to accept was the seriousness, this, this fatal, fatal nature, you know, and that this disease was going to kill me. And I had to do this stuff because I remember thinking, man, some of these people are so serious. I mean, like, really? Come on. And I thought, I know I'm just like an alcoholic. Oh, but, you know, it's just, you know, organic or it's just a little extra or just whatever. So, you know, putting the food down 100% black and white took me desperation, took me, took me years of trying and thinking I was getting it and falling on my face and realizing I really am the real alcoholic. I cannot have a little bit. I have to weigh and measure. I have to have black and white abstinence. And then guess what? I have this dis-ease. I have a spiritual malady that I didn't understand. And if I don't deal with that, I will go back into the food. And that was the part, that was the piece of the puzzle I was missing, that I have to do this day in, day out. I have to stay connected every day to my higher power, to you guys. I have to work this program because if not, I fall on my face. And I've done that for 30-something years and for four and a half years because I finally conceded I've no more looking reservations. I am not normal. I will go back. I know that. And today I'm willing to do whatever I have to, which means I weigh and measure wherever I go. I have black and white abstinence. I work this program. I connect to God every day. I make calls every day. I work this program every day because if not, I'll be in my disease every day because I lived it every day and I know that. So I'm either working this program or I'm practicing my disease. And today, thank you, God. I'm, I'm working this program. Glad to be here, guys. Pass. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Donna W. Followed by Lori A. Good morning, Donna W. From California, checking in. I'm in Wichita, Kansas today, which is unexpected because I'm supposed to be in Denver. My plane got diverted, and it's really awesome that I get to call in. This is a bright spot in my morning, and remember, I'm one of many. I'm not alone. And that, you know, first things first, I need to work my program and recovery. And, um, yeah, you know, I've been in program for a long time, and I feel like the longer I'm in program, the more I realize how hard our addiction of of food addiction is because it's everywhere. Like I went to go make photocopies the other night to um, for my for presentation I'm giving today in Denver. And, you know, there at the counter there's all this, um, there's all this candy at the because our flight was uh, diverted. There's the guy they got donuts there at the gate. It's it's not like you know for other addicts there's shots. Hey, welcome to uh, <laughs> welcome to the drugstore. Here's some shots at the counter. Here's some lines of coke. Like we have our substance everywhere. So uh, I just want to say like wow, this is a hard program. The more the more I work it, the more I realize how how hard it is. And um, and that, and therefore that's how much I need my higher power. That's how much I need you. Um, you know, I can't I can't take a break from this um, my, from my recovery. I, I need to work. I need to stay on God's beam today. I need to act as if God is everything, because I can get agnostic very quickly and think that um, you know something else is the solution. Not just food, but anything. Self pity my health, a flight, being on time. Those are not the solution. God is the solution. So I just want to stay on God's beam today and breathe and just take it an hour at a time. I, you know, 
um, it's all it's all good. Maybe God needed me in Wichita for some reason. <laughs> and try to have a sense of humor about it all. Thanks for being here. I really need you guys. And I pass. Thank you, Donna. Okay, Lori A, you're up, followed by Darian K. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Lori A from London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, thanks for your service, everybody. It's nice to be on the line. Um, I never realized before how many times the word control is in this one paragraph. This chapter has always been one of my favorite chapters. It uh, really has helped me out, um, helping me to figure out if I am or if I'm not um, one of us. And years ago, when I first came in, it really helped me um, decide that I was definitely one of you and I definitely belonged in this fellowship. Um, Of course, you know, over the years, I you know, know that without a doubt. And um, I really love what it says here. You know, we have lost the ability to control our eating and we never regain it. Um, Lately, I've been calling myself an abnormal eater when I qualify because I need to remember that my thinking is not like anybody else's. Um, It's like yours and it's but it's not like all those other people out there who can have one slice of cake or, you know, you know, just a, a small bag of chips or whatever. Um, I was at my, um, I had a little miracle the other day. I was at my AA home group and um, yesterday, and of course, you know, there's always something around there. So there was cupcakes there, and it didn't even dawn on me to have one. And that, for me is an absolute miracle. You know, I I had no desire to have one. And there was other things there that are my binge foods, and I didn't want any one of those either. So, you know, my higher power lifted that for that moment, and I just was so happy about that. I'm coming back from a huge, huge relapse, and I've I've got some a little bit of time in, and um, getting back down to my to my, the weight that I was, and um, you know I'm regaining my contact with my higher power and getting my emotional health back as well, and I have a new sponsor, and um, you know I really need to remember that over any considerable period of time we get worse never better. No matter how much abstinence I have, if I pick up again, then I will be worse than I was, um, you know, before, like after this past relapse. So I just want to thank everybody here. I want to wish everybody a happy 24. And um, thank you all for being here. Okay, have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lori. Okay, Darian Kay, you're up, followed by Robin P. What page, please? Hi. Hi, Hi there. I'm Darian Kay. Um, can you hear me okay? We're on page, yeah, let me just answer that. Yep. Uh, we're on page 30, the third paragraph. Okay, I'm sorry, Darian. Go ahead, please. That's okay. Yep. Darian Kay from the Berkshires, Massachusetts, um, recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be on the line today with all of you, <clears throat> 422 of you, by the way. Oh, such a blessing, such a blessing. Um, so I um, I am so grateful that I know.
Oh, we lost you. Darian, we can't hear you. Star one, there you are. Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, Am I back? we can. Okay. You're back. <laughs> oh, so tricky. Um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I know the, the reason why I could not diet today um, because I had no control, and the control that I maybe did have or thought I had was so limited. Um, I, I just, uh, it was like really somebody disabled trying to do something, um, you know, someone without legs in a wheelchair, you know, trying to run a race. Truly, it was, it's, it was just impossible for me. And so I never had any success. Um, and sadly, that's why these diet programs make all this money because they know that we don't have control. And so we'll be just paying money for no apparent reason um, for the rest of our lives if we choose to do these diets. And uh, they'll get rich. And so, you know, I'm just so grateful today that I know what I need to do. And I know that for me, I need to weigh and measure my food. I don't have really portion controls, never, never did. Um, I have to stay away from certain alcoholic foods. Um, I have to also, you know, be aware of where I go and what I do and how hungry I get. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of things that I need to um, really be aware of. Um, and most importantly is to ask God for help, to put God in the driver's seat and make that um, my control for the day. And um, gosh, she does such a better job than I do. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Darian. And uh, Robin P., you're up, followed by De Deborah V. Hi, this is Robin P. from Vero Beach, Florida. I am a grateful very grateful, recovery compulsive overeater, and um, just so grateful for the meeting. Thank you all for your service and for being here. It's such a miraculous meeting when you think about it. If you know the disease, it, it, I was just thinking, you know, it, it, those are such strong words. You know, when it talks about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Wow, they're very powerful words, and I've lived those words. I've lived those words with my head in the bowl with starving myself to 80 pounds with and thinking I just needed to lose a few more and um, and just that Russian roulette of thinking how did this happen again oh my gosh and just feeling like living in a nightmare not knowing how to get out and and today I is the opposite of that I don't feel like I'm living in a nightmare I feel like I'm living in God's grace and mercy which I am and one day at a time. And um, it's just such a blessing to know that I can just admit powerlessness is a blessing, not a curse. You know, to wave the white flag is, is really such a gift from God because then there are the steps after that. And I get to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Not the abuse, not the trickery, but the care of God. And for me to know that, coming from a history of a lot of child abuse, is truly a miracle and a divine intervention and a God who, who cares enough about me and all of us to, to rescue us from this horrible disease. And that the worst thing could become the best thing. And I was thinking that, wow, 
you know, the disease, it, it's such a liar, and it comes with all these excuses. Oh, phone meetings wouldn't count. That wouldn't do it. You're not face-to-face. Oh, really? How would a phone meeting work? You know, it, the disease can make up any lie about anything about why it's too hard to recover or this isn't going to work. And, wow, these phone meetings, the, a vision for you is literally a gift from God with all these angel people every day. And it completely is, it's energy. It completely does work. So it's just knowing that when the disease says a lie, you know, just turning to God for faith. And I always think of in the big book, um, there's, I think it's Bill who says, you know, we must have a faith 24-7 or we will perish. And so every moment I get to just really stay connected to the true power, not the illusion of power. God bless everybody in your recovery. So that I passed. Thank you so much, Robin. Okay, Deborah V, it's your turn. Hi, Deborah V, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. I the the word never in this paragraph is, you know, the very thing that I've struggled with the entire time that I was eating, which is that I would read this and think that somehow it meant that I could regain control somehow when I lost weight, somehow when this one would do what I wanted to do. Whatever the reason I applied, I thought that somehow I could regain control. And as each time that I attempted to try to gain control, I became miserable, unhappy, suicidal, and my disease progress and progress. When I started eating and I look at where I left off, I was at two two different places. By then I was hiding, eating, eating out of the garbage, having physical symptoms of of my addiction, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think what the, um, for me anyway, my truth is that really believing that I never regained with the help of these rooms and the help of my higher power, that is a miracle that I know that I, I will never regain control because guess what? I've done enough research and I've had my misery refunded repeatedly to know that it's never gotten better. So I, I feel as if, um, you know, my, my world has become so much clearer because I follow the directions of this book. Because, frankly, when it comes to my addiction, I have my mind is what's sick. My mind tells me all kinds of things. So I'm just grateful that I have uh, a daily reprieve, minute by minute, day by day, one day at a time. You know, Bill wasn't a first-time winner. And every time he went back out, he was more miserable than the last time. And he lost everything. And um, it's for me, it's not about the food. It's about my head. It's about the, the self-hate and loathing, the demoralization that comes with acting out on my impulses. I'm very grateful to be here this morning. I'm very grateful to be abstinent. And I'm so glad that we're in this fellowship together. Thanks, Pat. Thank you so much, Deborah. Okay, we have time for 
um, well, there's four minutes left. So if two people want to share for two minutes, that would be great. From page 30, the third paragraph. I would like to. My name's Michael. Michael. Donna G. And Donna G. Okay, go ahead, Michael. Thank you so much for your service. I just, I'm a long time, and I, I need to remind myself uh, what the big book tells me, and learning from vision has been phenomenal for me. Uh, and in April 23rd, the reflection, it's so, everybody's not an alcoholic. People can drink. Not everybody is a compulsive eater. I can't. So we don't knock any anything or anybody, any program. We're not affiliated with any sex denomination, political organization, or institution. So I get upset when I hear people knocking other things, because that's not what Bill Wilson says to do. And if anybody has a question, just read page April 23rd in Daily, Daily Reflections. Thank you so much for your service. I'm very grateful for this particular uh, vision. It's just amazing what I'm learning. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Okay, Donna G, you're up. Hi, minutes. this is Donna G. Uh, grateful to be recovering in Pennsylvania. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to echo a lot of what's been said, it, um, especially for the newcomer. Um, I think when I was new, very new um, to OA, I really um, felt like I was grieving in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the things that I am no longer, because of these 12 steps, going to be able to decide for myself and things I won't have control over, quote, unquote. Um, and the longer I'm in program, the more I realize that I never had control to begin with. Um, my new um, ending of my morning prayer to my higher power, who I call God, is... Um, is I surrender. It was yours all along, <laughs> because I don't mean it. It was I did. I didn't have control anyhow. If I had control, I wouldn't have um, been beaten into uh, submission to the point where you know I, I have no choice, no choice whatsoever. So, um, just for the newcomer to encourage you that um, it's 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 so much more about what you gain than what you give up. The sense of freedom that you gain. It's so, you know, I, for me, I can speak for myself. Um, in this program, I believe the 12 steps for me um, are, is giving me freedom, a, a sense of freedom that I would never have known in my life otherwise, a sense of clarity, um, not living in a fog, not living in um, a delusion of control. And um, I'm just so grateful for that. I'm grateful for a vision for you. I'm grateful for all of you being here. And, um, First and foremost, I'm very grateful for this program that um, gives me a connection, a way to connect, um, steps to connect me with my higher power, who is the one taking control of my life and doing a very good job with that I'll pass. Thank you, Donna. Okay, so thank you to everyone who helped to make this meeting happen today. Um, Alice G, Esther F, Lisa H, Becca R, and Allison L for being available. And then after the second, um, the newcomer greeter, Kathy G, and the moderator of the second hour is Jen A. So uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today 
Tuesday, June 4th, is 12,988. That's 12988. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Becca R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is Becca R. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. (laughs) Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.